Thanks for joining us and welcome to this Giga Europe digital debate on supporting SMEs post-pandemic. How can policymakers ensure digital helps SMEs grow? You can follow this discussion using hashtag EA debates and please tweet your comments there. Our social media team uh, will engage with you directly there. And also you can send us questions which we'll put to the panel during the course of the discussion using the chat section on Slido. So put your questions in there and don't wait till the end. Uh, we want to bring those questions in throughout the discussion so you can get started on that right now and our team will uh, be uh, engaging with you directly there as well. So today, SMEs play a significant role in the economic well-being of the European Union economy, accounting for over 60% of employment across the EU27 and the UK. Prior to the COVID-19 crisis, many SMEs expressed cautious optimism with a positive economic outlook for growth and the opportunity to invest. But COVID-19 has now seen many SMEs in a fight for survival. Despite the benefits of digitalization, the Digital Economy and Society Index 2020 found SMEs lag behind larger businesses in adoption of nearly all technologies, despite being connected to the internet at the same rate. The digital divide confronts policymakers with the task of supporting SMEs in the economic recovery, uh, but challenges related to availability, capacity, and capability impede SMEs and their digitalization, ultimately their ability uh, for business opportunities. Today, we'll discuss how policymakers can support SMEs to maintain their economic resilience uh, post-pandemic. Today, we're joined by uh, an excellent panel of uh, experts in this topic. Uh, Uti Slotbom, uh, she's the Director of Strategy and Economic Analysis at DG Grow of the European Commission. Josiane Kutia, Member of the European Parliament and Member of the ITRO Committee and Shadow Rapporteur on a New Strategy for European SMEs. Uh, Sebastiano Toffoletti, as Secretary General of the European Digital SME Alliance and uh, Shorta Hopmeyer, SEO, CEO and uh, founder of the Young Digitals, and Muriel Lorio, uh, EU Cluster and Enterprise uh, Americas and Asia Pacific Director for Vodafone Business. So welcome to all of you. Thanks so much for joining us uh, today. We appreciate your time. And uh, I'm going to ask each of you just to kick off with uh, about 60 seconds or so of uh, an introduction just to get your, your headline message uh, for today. Uti, can we kick off with you? Sure. Thank you, Brian. I wanted to open by saying that, as we all know, digitalization is a big issue. We are just coming out of the pandemic crisis and clearly for SMEs, digitalization was the dividing factor between those who fared better and who could weather the crisis better and those which experienced huge challenges. There is among the SME community in the EU a very clear divide between the digital SMEs in the digital sector and the others. And what we see in statistics is indeed that the digital SMEs even increased their sales and employment during the pandemic, while the others saw their sales and employment decline. It is a fact that SMEs overall are not yet fully equipped to face the needs of our digital transition. If we look at the smallest companies, the micro firms, only one out of five has its own website or app. About 9% have any experience of trading on e-commerce platforms. 
moving up the size classes and looking at medium-sized companies, the shares are maybe two or three times higher, but still for having an app or having a website trading on a common platform, we are still talking about a minority of medium-sized companies as well. So we also have a divide and we have a clear um, distinction between the smallest and bigger SMEs in terms of digitalization. So conclusion, there is a need to act, but who should act? And first of all, it is the SMEs who need to act themselves. We run a survey and we publish an SME report each year. Our 2021 report focused on the digitalization of SMEs. When we asked the group of SMEs which did not use any significant digital tools, why they did not do so, the answer by 60% was that they didn't see digital technologies as something suitable or necessary for their line of business. And that we from the European Commission, DG Grow, believe is often a misunderstanding and a misperception, which has partly changed during the pandemic, but will still need to change. And I should point out that this questionnaire was done in autumn 2020, in the middle of the pandemic. It was not a pre-pandemic survey, but it was done when we were facing lockdowns and restrictions. I will come back in the discussion to the tools which government should do, but I just want to say that what we also found out in terms of the needs of the SMEs, there was a need for advice and skills, but also among the challenges for digitalization, uh, the top was risks of security issues, legal uncertainty in the use of digital tools and issues with the digital infrastructure. For instance, very slow internet in rural areas. And these are the things from our research that we believe policymakers need to take up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's a really incredible uh, statistic that you give there about the, the non-suitability of data and the as SMEs perceive it. I want to come back to that a bit later on. So thank you for that. Josiane, over to you. 60 seconds. I can't hear you. Okay now? Yes. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was thanking you. you for the invite and this timely debate and indeed from the statistics just quoted, the COVID has been really an eye-opener, an eye-opener on multiple levels, even for our SMEs, but also for policymakers. Firstly, of the digital divide, which exists, and also when it comes to the knowledge gap. And now it's our challenge to see how to turn that knowledge gap into helping our SMEs really seeing the benefits of digitalizations, including new business opportunities. It's also our, our task to see to it that structural challenges which have been accentuated by the pandemic when it comes to SMEs, 
such as, for example, when it comes to access to finance, we turn it into something positive, even via digitalization and address it, for example, through making them aware of more direct access to crowdfunding, for example. And therefore, it's important also that as governments and institutions, we see to it that the digitalization could help our SMEs and make, um, make them aware of these opportunities and facilitation even when it comes to business models and when it comes for example by the digital by default principle and really helping our SMEs cut down on administrative bureaucracy when it comes to this but to do that we need to ensure that our SMEs are aware of the opportunities are aware also of the assistance that there is for them to get their skills and those skills we need to work a lot and we need to ensure connectivity. And some of these targets will work upon in the policy program of the path towards the digital ticket to which I'm shadow reporter and to which I look forward to. And also the national plans could help in this regard. I'm sure we'll go into much detail later on, but I also wanted to insist on the importance of stronger collaboration amongst all stakeholders and also amongst SMEs themselves. Those who have digitalized and who have made better profits even via the studies we heard, we, that it was mentioned how also these studies show that those who digitalized really went better in their operations could help those SMEs who haven't digitalized and haven't yet seen the potential realize this. Thank you and I look forward to the discussion. Josiane, thank you, as always. Thank you so much. And uh, Sebastian, over to you. Uh, thank you, Brian. I hope you can all hear me well. Uh, I'll try to Perfectly. be brief because you asked us. So. Um, so when we talk about policies for digital in SMEs, I think the first question to ask ourselves is what we mean by digitalization of SMEs. And here, unfortunately, uh, there is a misconception that affects many people and including our administrations and policymakers. This misconception is that digitalization or the digital transformation is all about digital using digital tools. The misleading message, in our opinion, is that digitalization of SMEs means for a company to use Zoom or another tool to make video calls. Uh, that it, it means uh, selling online, selling online using uh, an e-commerce platform, let's say Amazon. That it means uh, using the Google Suite or the Google Workspace, as they call it now. It means advertising on on Facebook, and so on and so forth. Don't don't get me wrong. None of these examples is per se wrong, nor all of them together are wrong. Um, but do we really believe that the fourth industrial revolution where we are in now is only about that, is only about using those tools? Uh, those who understand technology know what digitalization means. And let me quote here the definition provided by Gartner. Digitalization means reinventing a company's business model in order to generate value through technologies. And this definition tells you many, many things, but let me tell you two in particular. First of all, we are talking about a process, a journey of innovation. It's not a one-off. It's not that I just buy the Zoom subscription and I install Zoom and I am digital. I think we are not that naive. Uh, so one needs to reinvent uh, the way it does business. And this was the case for Google. Huh? This was the case for Amazon 
for Tesla, for Airbnb. You know, think about all these companies. They reinvented the business models. Huh? So they are successful because of that. And the second thing that definition gives, tells us is about, it talks about, it doesn't talk about tools. It talks about technologies. Uh, so it says we have to be at the forefront of the technology development. So many SMEs are, as it was said, uh, uh, and even those who are not natively, natively digital, they can be at the forefront of technology because many technologies nowadays are open. They are not closed boxes. So SMEs can work constructively with other SMEs, with their technology providers with the, at the local level. Huh? And together, SME to SME, they can join efforts and join skills in order to go through the innovation journey, in order to invent new technologies, and in order to finally re even reinvent the business models. So to conclude, th this misconception is evident in the wording and definitions that come, for instance, even from organizations like the OECD, uh, under the influence of American big tech, or from the definitions uh, that come from the EU-US trade, uh, tech and trade council, again, from the influence, under the influence of the same companies. And you understand there is a political uh, political design behind it. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not. We are not. We don't have to be naive. So we, we have to understand that this is not just a problem of wording if, uh, by our political elite, uh, because it will immediately or soon translate into wrong choices in terms of regulation and policies. And not understanding this fundamental problem means that we are deemed to fail and be conquered by those same companies who started this revolution and are benefiting from this okay. revolution. You know, this is not us, this is not Europe. So happy to continue this in the, in, in the debates. But thank you for your attention. That was great, thank you. Sebastiano, thank you so much. We'll return to those uh, points as uh, we talk a little more uh, later. Uh, Short, over to you. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much for this opportunity uh, to share my ideas. I am um, a founder and CEO of uh, social enterprise, uh, Dion Digitals. And we support Europe's uh, digital transformation by unlocking the potential of young people with a distance to the labor market. Uh, we train a future digital skilled employees who can support the digital transition of SMEs. So the question at hand is, how can policymakers ensure digital helps SME growth? My answer is this. Improve access to talent. We as Dion Digitals did much research analyzing the major roadblocks for SMEs to benefit from digital innovations. There are three major challenges for SMEs. Time and focus, investment budget, and knowledge. In my view, the highest priority for SMEs is to gain access to digital skilled employees. Only then they can gain competitive edge, develop new value propositions, enter new markets, and as a result, grow as a company. We must enlarge the number of digital skilled personnel. It's our conviction at Young Digitals that this can be achieved by creating a more inclusive economy and unlock the potential of all people. I feel this ambition can be realized when policymakers and entrepreneurs combine their efforts. Unfortunately, there are large groups of young people in Europe who are at a distance to the labor market because they dropped out of the current education system and did not obtain a diploma. And without a diploma, it's very difficult to start a successful career. At the same time, these young people are digital natives. They spend much time online. They enjoy it and are good at it. Uh, we feel that uh, we must unlock the potential of a large group of these younger people without a diploma. 
and these young digitals can play an important role in the digital transformation of SMEs. To conclude, by investing in young people with a distance to the labor market, we can create a win-win situation. More young people with the right set of digital skills can support the digital transition of SMEs. And at the same time, we create a more inclusive economy where everyone can put their talent into use. Thank you very much. Sure, thank you so much. I will return to that uh, a very important point uh, about uh, how the uh, youth can be uh, trained and included within the economy as well. Over to Muriel. Muriel, 60 seconds. Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you for uh, the invitation today. I'm actually really glad to participate to this roundtable and to be able to talk about SMEs and, and why and how we need to support them in, in their uh, digitalization journey. So a few messages from my, from my side, at least to start this roundtable. First, I think that it's been mentioned already a bit earlier, but I think it's worth reminding uh, that SMEs uh, represent 24 million enterprises across Europe. Uh, and they employ uh, nearly 100 million of people. And more importantly, they contribute to 4 trillion euro to the EU economy. So I, I think that it's really uh, important that they are playing a significant role in the European economy. And, and I, I hope that's why it is important we take care of them and, and we set the, the right uh, schemes, the right policies to support them the best way possible. However, and then it's been mentioned as well, I mean, over the last two years, uh, and we've all seen that, more than half of them have been uh, negatively impacted by the pandemic crisis with severe losses in revenue. And even one third of them are still being at risk today for their future if they don't get further support uh, from their government. And, and actually, back in May 2020, We've made a study at Vodafone where we have realized that most of the SMEs that have been mostly impacted by the pandemic have been the ones that were lagging behind in terms of digitalization. Um, and the ones that were future ready, which means you know, they were further along their digital journey, they had already made some step forward, were not only better prepared uh, at managing or coping with the crisis, but they've been as well, uh, you know, able to grow faster and grab more business opportunities for themselves. So again, I, I think we, we need to recognize that it has been already a great step forward, uh, already made with the EU asking for 20% allocation uh, of EU recovery funds to digitalization. But definitely now it's really more around how we move forward and how we ensure we make the best use of those funds, uh, really put in place the plans and the schemes that will be for great value for SMEs and really getting to practical details. So I really think that we need to have a collaborative approach between governments, uh, technology providers, and SMEs all together to, to, to put the right policies, the right scheme to support them the best way possible. And, and then I, I guess we'll get into that conversation on the round table. What are going to be the success factors on those schemes to make sure they will actually uh, be uh, a enabling the SMEs to accelerate their digital transition. So, yeah, happy to uh, enter the debate altogether. Thank you, Muriel. I just want to pick up on, on that, bring it back to, to Uti as well. You know, in terms of EU and national policies, if uh, SMEs, they, they're losing revenue on one side, how can we expect them to invest in upskilling, reskilling, uh, the infrastructure changes, the innovation time, the R&D that's needed? 
uh, in terms of uh, developing and, and moving forward with, with their businesses in a new direction, as we've heard uh, from, from different speakers just now. But the, how are EU and national policies able to support SMEs in this regard, whether financially or practically, uh, to first of all stabilize the business, but also to uh, change and advance the business for the new economy? Thank you. First of all, it was very interesting to listen to the interventions of the other panelists. And uh, one thing that I take, of course, from Short is uh, the importance of skills. Um, the other issue that I take from Sebastian is uh, the importance of uh, rethinking your business model. And this certainly is what we have already seen very much during the pandemic, when physical activities were not possible, switching to a digital world was often the way forward. I don't know how many seconds I have on policies, but I would like to start with some examples of what the EU is doing. We have the digital decade program. We have very high ambition for digitalizing SMEs, increasing skills in population and the labor markets, and for e-government, which then, of course, in turn can improve the services which are provided to SMEs. We have the digital innovation hubs which are emerging, which are test beds, allowing SMEs to test before they invest, help rethink their business processes, product services using digital technologies. We have a program of digital volunteers whereby bigger companies work together with small businesses and help them make the transition to a more digital functioning. We have instruments for access to finance. The most prominent is the InvestEU program, which has a special window for SMEs. And in that SME window, digitalization of SMEs is a particular priority. We have an intellectual property fund for SMEs. We have intellectual property vouchers, which can help SMEs, which are going towards new digital products or services. And finally, as Muriel already mentioned, the very big hopefully game changer is the recovery and resilience facility. EU borrows money. This is allocated to member states which present programs focused on the green and digital transition. The aim and the obligation of member states was to spend at least 20% of their funds on digitalization. What we have seen of the first 22 national recovery and resilience plans is an overshooting of that target. We are currently talking about more than 26% of the money spent on digital. And a very large part of that will go to SMEs. Uh, this is okay. both skills, but also infrastructure. Thank you. Thank you. Josiane, your report is literally called a new strategy for European SMEs. Uh, it going to be something which is different uh, in there this time. So what, what is different uh, in terms of what we can see for SMEs? And uh, just to keep in mind that not all SMEs are 
digital natives. They're, they're not all uh, bound up by, by data in terms of how their business is driven. A lot of people are, you know, their shops and restaurants and uh, small, uh, small stores, uh, mom and pop kind of stores. So you know, how do we translate those kind of uh, small and micro businesses into the big policies of European Union and the member states? And you know, what does that mean in terms of the support that we now have with the resilience funds and, and other dynamics like that? Are we aiming too high for a certain kind of SME? Or do you think from what your, your report is, has concluded that uh, this is a, a policy which can touch all uh, levels of SMEs? For sure, we need to recognize that not all SMEs are the same, and uh, this is very much important. There are different aspects. So SMEs do face some common challenges, some common structural challenges, which have been increased by the pandemic. That's something they commonly share. But then we have to recognize also the local ecosystem where these SMEs operate. And this is a very important aspect, which I really think that even via the European framework, we should explore how to assist. And in this regard, the national recovery plans, I believe, play a very important role because through the national recovery plans, these EU funds could be adapted to the local scenario and we could really look at addressing the local, what the, the challenges that the local SMEs are facing. And also to address, for example, gaps that there exist between peripheral and um, and uh, urban regions. This is also a very important point. Earlier on, a colleague on the panel stated the aspect of inclusivity. And indeed, inclusivity is key because when we speak of all SMEs being able to digitalize, when we put forward digital targets, even within the policy program of the path towards the digital decade for SMEs to be able to digitalize, we are speaking of inclusivity. We are speaking of digital rights, and I here put up the point, this was not included in the SMEs report because it's, it's more cross-border, but still it applies because it relates to inclusivity even of SMEs. Should we go a step beyond digital rights and also consider including connectivity and access to the internet as a human right? I put this as a question for discussion because I really believe in, in it. We already have discussions in the EU bubble and even with, uh, with Macron's speech last time that, uh, for example, environmental protection should be given a higher status within the Charter of Fundamental Rights. And I here also refer to certain digital rights, such as even when it comes to connectivity and access to the internet, because we saw how studies show that certain SMEs couldn't um, reap all the fruits of digitalization because of lack of, of connectivity. And then speaking of the national recovery plans, I would like to take this opportunity to build a bit on, on what Uta was saying, but to give some practical examples coming from Malta of how Malta is putting forward certain initiatives through the national recovery plan, which would help even SMEs. It's offering also incentive schemes for SMEs to help them in this regard. And this is very much important to help our SMEs to go digital. It would also assist when it comes to the digitalization, for example, of the merchant shipping directorate. This is an area which is very important for uh, the economic sector of Malta, for example. There's also 
other important aspects which I really believe in. The uh, initiatives through the eSkills Foundation, which the eSkills Malta Foundation brings together different partnerships from across the board and invests in skills. Earlier on, there was this emphasis on skills. Skills is also an important point which was really emphasized upon even on the SME strategy report, which I worked upon some months ago, even more than a year ago, where, where we work directly on the importance to address the skills gap even among SMEs when it comes to digitalization amongst other aspects. And indeed, this is a very important point. And another example, practical one, which I wanted to share, coming from also the, the National Recovery Plan, is one which I really believe in. When we speak of skills, we have to make sure that we also bring in the factor of matching up the needs of the ICT industry, for example, on one side, and the training being offered on the other side, because that's how we gear up the skills needed by the industry and being offered also by educational institutions. This, this is a very important point, I believe in, and I believe that even in the digitalization aspect and even to help our SMEs take the full benefit of digitalization and its opportunities even for new economic models which they could develop or areas and segments of the economy which they could diverge their, their operations towards, we need this important exercise indeed. Then there's also within the EU framework, I'd like to mention also the digital innovation hubs which really serve as important example of cluster hubs cluster approach which brings together everyone coming from the already digitalized companies, the local companies who still need to digitalize, larger businesses, educational institutions. We really need these collaborations and everyone on board. Okay, let me bring it to, to a short. Uh, short was speaking earlier about this uh, inclusive approach as well and how uh, we, we include particularly the young digitals uh, as he uh, referred to them as well. So this idea of a collaborative approach, uh, it sounds good. Uh, what does this mean in terms of your experience? How, how do you bring these different strands together that we've heard at the EU and national levels that we've heard from Josiane and uh, also uh, Uti? You know, this, uh, this sense that, is, are we entitled to connectivity? Is this something which is critical to uh, the, the, the modern uh, citizen, never mind the modern economy? Because if you don't have it, you don't get ahead. How do you, how do you interpret this? and need to be inclusive in practical terms. What matters most? So growth I can't see you clearly. There we go, yes. Okay. I, I can hear you now. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, great. So uh, first of all, uh, I think it's, it's, it's great that uh, the digital growth of SMEs is such a high priority uh, in, within Europe, uh, within the, the member states, also within the European Union. But I, I feel that... Um, not all problems can be solved with more money. Uh, so I think, uh, uh, of course, it's very Im Im important. Uh, so investing in hardware is uh, investing in high-speed connectivity. That's all very important. But I think that uh, we really need to rethink the way we organize education um, of um, regarding digital skills of, of people, uh, not only for young people, but also for people who are in the midst of their, their career. I think that is a challenge. And I think that requires both uh, an effort by government and also by business to continuously invest in the digital skills of their employees. 
as just to um, just to give an example of uh, what we do at uh, at Young Digitals. So we we focus on uh, young people with a distance to the labor market, and we provide them with a twenty four month training program, uh, providing um, key digital skills. Uh, and uh, we are uh, actually amazed by the steep learning curve of these people, of these young people without a diploma, eh, who are actually dropped out of the current education system. And what we provide them with is a training program to obtain digital skills and also relevant work experience. And we do that not only by themselves, by ourselves, of course, we work with, uh, with, uh, with the government. And we also work together with uh, large uh, corporates uh, who, um, who also are convinced the importance of investing in skills of these young people. Uh, for instance, we work uh, with uh, uh, Vodafone, uh, a company here uh, in, in the Netherlands, with all, but also with other large uh, enterprises. So um, to, to answer your, your question, what does, I think, uh, of course, what, what do these big, what, just that jump in there, what do, what do these big companies bring to uh, the, the partners that you see? What is the added value there? So the uh, ads, um, I, feel, I see that large corporates more and more invest in, in, in society as a whole. Of course, uh, they, uh, they, they, they value the, the financial situation of their shareholders, but also more and more play a relevant uh, role within society. Uh, and uh, they provide relevant work experience for uh, they give the opportunity of our young digitals to obtain uh, um, relevant uh, digital marketing skills by working for, uh, for their marketing departments. Yeah, so the, and I think that is, that is a, an, an excellent way for for these these people, but that this is the labor market to to jump in to make a jump forward and uh, enhance their digital skills. Yeah, just just so so my point is uh, yes, uh, uh, financial investment funds are, are great with, at the European level and at the national level, but I think it's more important to have like create a mind a, a mind shift of all relevant players, not only. Not only with the government, but also for SMEs and together with large uh, corporates. Let, let, to, me just, to, let me just create develop this a little bit. As, let me just develop this a little bit as well. So, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on apprenticeships, for example, in the, in the skills development within the European Union, vocational education and training, and the buzzwords of skilling and, and reskilling as well. I don't want to uh, dismiss uh, formal structured education and, and the, the qualifications that young people get, particularly. But I want to ask you about the, the, the value of what uh, a, a young student perhaps gets when they change to doing, like you say, in the marketing department of, of a large uh, company as well. Do you think that's more valuable? And if so, is that where we should be directing more of our investment uh, in terms of uh, upskilling the, the European economy and supporting SMEs yeah. by giving real life experience? Yeah, but I think we should realize that not every everyone is fit to spend four years or even more uh, uh, at the university or at a higher education level. And unfortunately, there are uh, many young people who are drop out of the current education system due to uh, uh, personal, financial, and uh, social problems. And um, once they drop out of the current education system, what's What's for them to do? Uh, and for that group, I think we can uh, together uh, think of innovative ways for these young people to obtain digital skills. Okay, thank you. Muriel, you, you spoke, I want to come back to this point about the revenue loss of SMEs as well uh, and how 
that uh, can, can be supported and the, the practical details of a collaborative approach, which you spoke about too. So in terms of a collaborative approach, getting uh, collaboration is relatively straightforward, but producing something uh, which has economic value at the end of that. How do you translate uh, collaboration into economic value and uh, growth for SMEs? Well, I, I think that um, for me, I mean, collaborative approach means we, we need really to have multiple stakeholders uh, working together into the tackling the, the different challenges we, we are confronted with. And I think really here, it's important that um, we have three kind of key stakeholders working together. Of course, obviously, governments that will need to understand challenges and needs, not only from SMEs, by the way, but also from the industry and the technology companies that are supporting them into the digital journey. Uh, it's also about including the, the technology providers by themselves. It might be Vodafone and the like, but it might be also like other digital partners. Uh, because we are offering and providing those solutions to enable the SMEs to accelerate their digital transformation here. And then the, obviously the SMEs themselves, they, they need to share their challenges, their priorities, where they need support, where they are struggling. And just mentioning maybe a couple of challenges that are important for us to keep in mind. I mean, it's been already mentioned a bit earlier, but I think it's important we tackle them through a collaborative again approach. One, we've talked about digital skills gap or even lack of digital skills that would prevent some of those means even identifying the tools they need or, or even them then for, from deploying what they, they need to actually deploy effectively. Then they, they miss and they, they need liquidity. They have limited access to finance. And again, as it's been mentioned, I mean, they were having struggles on their financials over the last years, and now they need to invest. So we need really to support them, to give them access to finance, to, to make sure that they can invest and accelerate their transition. And then, I mean, it's been also mentioned a bit earlier, but it's really important for me to emphasize on it. Um, they need to have also access to fast and affordable broadband connectivity. And this is a prerequisite uh, for SME digital transformation. I mean, and, and there is a digital, digital gap here, not only around uh, SMEs that are, you know, in rural areas, but also uh, in, in also having affordability for those SMEs to access to the right speed broadband uh, connectivity. So coming to your question, I really think that if we don't get those three kind of stakeholders working together, uh, we will have uh, challenges and, and we will not tackle the best policies possible. So it's important we get to schemes and packages that will meet the various uh, and different needs of the SMEs. And, and we need to also understand that this is not one fits all solution. And it's been already mentioned before. It's really important we understand that SMEs are into different level of maturities uh, stage on their digital journey. So. What happens is that we've been working today already with some governments, um, uh, whether it's been the Spanish government, whether with the Italian one, on, on first co-creating with the different stakeholders uh, uh, at the table, co-creating a digital toolkit for SMEs that will actually provide uh, different digital solutions that could support them, you know, for example, um, on you know, digital marketing, e-commerce, cybersecurity, digital business solutions, or again, just getting access to high-speed connectivity with some subsidies. All this makes the right package, but makes also the right flexibility for SMEs to basically uh, get into their digital journey. 
that will be for me a very important uh, collaboration to work on. Thank you. Uh, Sebastiano, you, you talked about reinventing how we do business. Uh, I just want to pick up on a Vodafone report, which they call uh, fit for business. There's, there's just a summary of what makes a business fit to the future, which are quite liked and has six uh, headlines for this. The first one is positive attitude to change, open to technology, plans for technology, detailed strategies, up to date with emerging trends and adaptability as well. Sebastiano, you know, if we're going to reinvent how we do business, of that kind of framework, what's most important to you? How do we reinvent and, and what's the, the critical uh, dynamic that's needed for reinventing business in the digital age? Right, uh, thank you for the question. I'll try to answer and also pick up a little bit of things that I heard from the colleagues on the panel. Because uh, if I think, how do I reinvent the business model? How do I digitize traditional SMEs? Because you asked earlier no, about what do you do about, you know, large, large sectors, uh, let's say the retail, the shops, the restaurants, uh, or other sectors which are non-digital. How, how do you bring the digital revolution there? Um, and, I, and I think, uh, you know, let me take one example of a, a concrete sector. Uh, to, to, to tell you what I'm talking about, the, the taxi drivers, okay? Uh, there are two possibilities here. Either you fight against the future and try to defend the old business model, or you reinvent yourselves. And uh, fighting against the future is what is happening in many places right now. Uh, now, for instance, we are based in Brussels, and uh, we know that uh, there is a core decision which has basically uh, closed down Uber. And all the people who try to, to, to get Uber ride, they can't because, because of this decision. And people are protesting because of that. So this is fighting against the future. I'm not here to, 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 to represent the interest of, of, the, of an American company, uh, Uber. But I'm here to say, um, instead of fighting against that, why don't we help the taxi drivers uh, of this city to do the same? Because it's obvious that on a service level, uh, an Uber service is 10 times better than any traditional taxi service. I mean, I don't think anyone will question that. It's more efficient, it's more consumer-oriented, and so on and so forth. Why don't we ask, don't, why don't we help the taxi drivers to do the same? Why don't we help them to work with the, an IT provider, have their own app, and work the same way, co competing against, against the Ubers. And this, by the way, is something that has even happened in other cities. Uh, so there are, there are good examples. We know that this is possible, but it takes a big shift. You know, instead of uh, uh, fighting to defend our interests, our, our, our rights as they were in the past, we should go into the revolution and we should reinvent ourselves. And that's where I believe we should be using, to go back to one of your questions earlier, uh, the, the, the national, especially the national funds, which are going to be available with the uh, res uh, recovery and resilience facility. Uh, so help the tra transformation. Uh, we have done, uh, to give you another example, a very good exercise to reinvent uh, another traditional sector and make them digital, make them use the Internet of Things. I'm talking about uh, the SMEs in the uh, lifts sector, the elevators. Uh, you know, there are many SMEs in Europe. We're talking about thousands and thousands of companies which are responsible for maintenance, for reparation of lifts, especially the traditional lifts. And what we did with them, uh, also in collaboration with some larger companies uh, in, in the telecom uh, uh, industry, for instance, all together, 
we developed a technology, a platform, uh, which is based on international standards, which is called smart uh, one-to-one -one smart lift. And it is a technology that brings IoT to uh, the traditional lifts. So it connects the traditional lifts and gives them the possibility to be to be to be managed on remote, to be controlled, to have their data transferred via the cloud, so analyzed and so on and so forth. And this has currently been applied in about 20,000 uh, homes, 20,000 lifts in, in houses throughout Europe, and there are plans to go even beyond that. Uh, so this is a fantastic example of what the, the sectors can do together when the digital and non-digital industries, uh, small and larger players, they work together. Okay? Um, okay. So I'm sure we can do much more than that. And this is the way forward. So going the future rather than going backward, if I could repeat okay. what I said. Well, if any sector can get us to a new level, it's clear, clearly the elevator sector uh, can do that as well. So thank you, Sebastiano. Uh, Josiane, just to pick up on the Uber side of this as well, um, of course, we're not advocating for Uber as a business, but the sense of uh, technological rollback as well. And to put this in a global uh, context, you know, is Europe becoming more inward looking? Are we, we fighting battles that ultimately we will lose and then the process slowing down our digital uh, transition and our comp the competitive competitiveness, not just our SMEs, but also our, our big businesses too. Are we sufficiently uh, minded of what, uh, as Sebastian said earlier, the fourth industrial revolution really looks like uh, in, in Europe, Josiane? I think that uh, all of us need to be more aware and that we need to uh, know more. And indeed, technology and systems are fastly evolving and we really need, yes, I do agree that we need to reinvent ourselves in a way that we're not stuck. And this is a constant challenge for us policymakers, even working within the digital field of how to do law, of how to do policy, which does not become outdated. And that's why always the constant battle of using the technological neutral language, to what extent, to what extent should we regulate, even to strike the balance, because it's important that we um, protect rights, even of consumers, that we protect other rights of, of data privacy and other aspects. But at the same time, we leave leeway for investment. I, and I really believe that we will be successful if we keep it in mind that we need to be constantly learning and on the lookout as technology fastly evolves and if we're right on the wave of the current leaps that we need to make on the current waves of the environmental and digital transition. And indeed, digital skills could help our SMEs to become more technologically savvy, but also to become greener. And I wanted to bring in here and link to some points which were even discussed by colleagues on the panel. First of all, I congratulate the Young Digitals on this inclusive and collaborative approach. Even these training programs they're offering could lead to new entrepreneurs in the digital field or new entrepreneurs who would go forward with also evolving into SMEs. And in this regard, it's, it's good that we'll have this sharing of good examples. I also read... Um, Good practice by Vodafone, which was helping also their SME customers, even when it comes to boosting 
their their systems and their technological know-how when it comes to cybersecurity. These are important practices where the big enterprises help their SMEs, where the technologically savvy help the less technologically savvy. And let's remember that when we speak of digitalization, there's a great range. When we speak of digitalization, we can speak of basic skills, but then there are the more advanced skills of programming, of AI, of understanding also data aspects and, and cybersecurity. We need to help our SMEs to monetize their data because if they have a lot of valuable data in their hands, which they cannot interpret or which they cannot monetize, then the data would be lost. And I'd like to close on this important uh, example from the Pact for Skills uh, program, which is, which is uh, the Automotive Skills Alliance, one of the projects put forward, which is a real positive example of skilling actions, including ICT, which involved also certain countries like Germany, where the automotive industry is strong, and also enhanced the know-how of the local production system. And I believe the, these are all positive examples. And I'll conclude here, but yes, to conclude once again to your question, we really need to learn more and we'll have to keep on looking and trying to strike the balance whilst regulating and becoming digital leaders as Europe. Thank you, Josiane. Okay, let's uh, go to uh, our audience a little bit. Uh, please send them more questions. Uh, we have about 25 minutes left, so send those questions and I'll bring them straight to the panel as you send them. And um, we have a few questions already. Um, let's go to Andy Black. Andy Black says, how important is access to 5G for SME growth and how can the rollout be accelerated? Uh, let's put that to Muriel. Muriel, how important is access to 5G for SME growth and how can the rollout be accelerated? Well, I think it's really critical, as I was mentioning earlier, uh, having access, generally speaking, on high-speed connectivity for me is a key enabler for SME digitalization. So definitely it will be about 5G. It might be also about fiber. I, I would say I am less technology you know, uh, specific. I think we should be actually technology agnostic, but definitely 5G will be key enabler of high-speed connectivity on mobile as well as fiber or cable will be on the fixed side. Why is it so important? I think it's really um, important that we realize that there is still this digital divide where there is still stark contrast between the level of access of small companies to high-speed broadband in comparison to their large counterparts. Why is that? It might be two kind of reasons. One might be around financial uh, and affordability of, of, of connectivity, specifically when it gets to high, high connectivity speed, but it might be also around um, uh, you know, uh, lack of coverage or, or lack of uh, enough high speed on some of the areas. And I think here it is important governments uh, should, you know, through the recovery funds, by the way, uh, address the availability gaps by supporting investment in those areas uh, and, and supporting the industry as a whole where either infrastructure is not yet available, whether again we are still on 3, 4G and we want to move to 5G or whether we want to improve the, the coverage through fiber, we need to get support on investment uh, where infrastructure is not yet there. Uh, and specifically, again, uh, to support the SMEs that are operating in those areas and into uh, rural uh, areas. And otherwise, to also offer free or subsidized high-speed connectivities for those sectors that are, that are actually in greatest need. So both 
solutions should have to be addressed or should be thought through with the government, with the SMEs, with the industry again on what is the best acceleration. But again, this is the founding block. This is the foundation uh, of any further digital transformation. Then we can go to the step forward and maybe we can discuss about what are the next steps uh, uh, on digital solutions, digital tools, but fully agree uh, you, you need to start by actually high-speed connectivity. Okay, thank you. Let me put this uh, to Ute also. Uh, what's the Commission doing to ensure that we're not uh, accelerating the digital divide? Because if some countries and some regions uh, are good at this, maybe they have a stronger uh, starting point as well. They have a stronger uh, connectivity platform now and they can scale that up faster. But other regions in Europe, other uh, member states are still behind the curve on that and they will fall further behind if uh, sufficient investment and infrastructure, particularly to do with 5G and high-speed uh, broadband, if they're not accelerated uh, at the same time, how is the European Union trying to level up its regions uh, to achieve uh, this kind of fairness uh, for, for uh, Europe's uh, SMEs? Guti. Of course, cohesion and convergence are basic goals of the EU, and we have uh, had uh, since decades uh, very strong cohesion and regional policies to help the convergence. We monitor actively the convergence, the progress. There is a distribution of funds which is focused on those most in need to catch up. In the digitalization, of course, the instruments are such that there is ample room for taking into account member states' needs. Some are more advanced, others are building the basic infrastructure. And now the biggest investments which come through the uh, recovery and resilience plans, there it is member states coming forward with their needs and these are negotiated at the EU level. We have also invested heavily in developing country-specific knowledge here so that we know where the needs are. And we have statistics, we do continuous monitoring. But also what we see is that since the pandemic, there has been a decrease in the differences among countries. The pandemic has pushed countries, SMEs, companies and governments to digitalize faster, in particular in the areas and countries which were lagging behind, which means that we see that now. And the differences between countries are becoming small. The differences between industry sectors and ecosystems are increasing, but in countries we see convergence. Okay. Okay, let me ask, uh, Josiane, from Malta, you come from an island as I do on Ireland also. Uh, does that ring true to you? Do you get the sense that when you look across Europe that maybe the, the industrial sectors are, are and, and different scales of businesses, the divide may be increasing, but uh, in terms of what European member states and regions uh, can expect in terms of cohesion on, on digital uh, infrastructure, that it, it looks to be pretty much going the same direction and that divide, is, as Uti says, is getting smaller and not larger. Does that ring true? 
Definitely, we need to work more via yes, the cohesion instruments, which Uta has mentioned, but I really feel that there are areas and remote regions which still need to be connected more. And I link here, so to me, it's, it's not a question of um, ringing true. Okay, we can say that, uh, that the divide has decreased, but for me as a policymaker and for, for me as a socialist, it's very much important that as long as there is a digital divide, respective of the extent to which that digital divide is, we have to continue addressing. So if there is one, even one remote region, which is left uh, without connection or without strong connection, if there are SMEs which are struggling and cannot afford uh, to be connected or to be strongly and adequately connected, as some of the panelists said, we still need to use the EU's instruments, including cohesion policy, to address this area. And therefore, yes, I coming from an island member state and coming from the island of Gozo, which faces double insularity, can understand firsthand issues of lack of connectivity in the sense that when it comes to transport, to energy, to digitalization, it's very much important to continue addressing these barriers and these differences. It, it is uh, true that the different regions have different circumstances and it may be difficult that all the regions acquire the same level at the same time, but we have to continue striving towards the aim. And that aim is also when it comes to the digital decade that we have certain targets that we need to reach by 2030 when it comes to connectivity, to 5G connectivity, and also to skills and digital skills when they, it comes to our SMEs. We, can, we have to continue working for sure. Okay. Sebastiano, you mentioned the, the Internet of Things earlier as well, which uh, if that's to accelerate absolutely demands 5G rollout and, and uh, faster uh, connectivity across Europe as well. Yeah, is from what you see dealing with uh, with SMEs, are we uh, on the same scenario across Europe? Are you confident that uh, we aren't going to get a, a wider digital divide, but also that uh, there's, there won't be a brain drain from some regions to other regions within Europe because there is uh, better infrastructure, there's better connectivity there as well, and consequently, uh, the digital skill set is higher and therefore innovation is more likely. Uh, how do you see uh, that in terms of what you said about uh, the fourth industrial revolution and our global competitiveness? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, I, I think we have to be uh, pragmatic. Uh, we also have to be technology neutral here. I agree with what Muriel said about that earlier. Um, indeed, 5G, I mean, I, we, we all agree it is, it, is, it is an important driver, it is an important infrastructure, but uh, if you ask me about the Internet of Things, we have a lot of applications which uh, can run very well on the old uh, GSM, for instance. We don't need the 5G for, for everything. Uh, so it is a kind of needed infrastructure, but it is not because we have the 5G, we have solved all the problems because in many cases we don't even need the 5G, right? Uh, so um, what we need is rather uh, certainly a strong investment in, in skills. And I agree with what was said uh, earlier by the colleagues. Um, together, of course, with the right infrastructure, no, no, no doubt about that. It could be 5G, it could be Wi-Fi, it could be the fiber, uh, it, could be, it could be anything that provides the right uh, connectivity. We have to talk about connectivity. 
for, for, for our SMEs. But if we don't couple that with the correct availability of skills, uh, as it was said, uh, we are certainly not going to be able to make it. Uh, I have to say that, uh, you know, I just want to complement what was said earlier by the colleagues. Uh, uh, many have spoken about uh, the role of uh, larger companies in uh, being uh, providing uh, skills uh, or providing uh, uh, trainings to, to, to the SMEs or to, or to people. Uh, I am uh, I'm not against that, right? Uh, but I also want to say that we have thousands and thousands of very, very innovative SMEs and startups in Europe, which are available to provide their skills, to provide internships, to provide, you know, uh, citizens and people with, with skills. Uh, what I hear very, very often from our people, from our entrepreneurs, is that uh, uh, probably an internship, if I have to give an example, in a large enterprise, is not as good as one done in a small company because in a small company uh, someone has to learn everything someone has to be extremely flexible someone has to understand not only about one their own specific technological tasks but about the business in general so i am sure there are so many smes which are also able to offer a lot to our society and to, to make to make our economy better to train to train people and we should not be thinking that only the big companies can do it and also in, in that respect let's not be naive as i tried to say in the beginning there are certain uh, big companies in the technology area which have also vested interest uh, it's obvious that they want all of us to become uh, and i'm talking about you know very few companies not all the large ones are bad but only a few of them they want us to become users of their tools so, so they want me to learn only their specific software so that then in the future when i grow up i i will become kind of uh, um, uh, attached to that software and i will only be able to use that i will not be able to to think on my own and migrate and use other tools so you know we we cannot afford to be naive this is the industrial revolution we have to be clever set our strategies understand our strengths and understand and understand the, the stakes otherwise we, we are deemed to lose thank you let's uh, take a couple of uh, comments online as well uh rajan says uh, maybe Uti, maybe you might know the answer to this how can we access ip vouchers Please let us know if these vouchers are geographically restricted. Any idea about that? Uh, I will look for the website. Uh, can I put it to the chat or send it to the assistant and pass the info in that channel? Sure. Send it afterwards and then we'll tweet it out. So, um, uh, Raji, maybe you can, uh, Raji, you can keep an eye on that. And if you send uh, your email to us and now then I'll ask our team to send that directly to you as well but we'll post that out on the tweet afterwards as well thank you and thank you Uti, for that also um, other quick comments um, back to online training Andy says online training using webinars has proven very successful particularly since it's been widely adopted and uh, during lockdown this is uh, clearly the case uh, Muriel you know, in terms of, of online training as well you do you see trends and in terms of how uh, we use technology compared to before the, the pandemic, and obviously we're all using Zoom and everything else like that. this as well. Kids are on uh, virtual school from time to time. Uh, but do you think that we have a pattern of behavior now which 
uh, is going to remain after the pandemic as well. And do you see that this is a positive thing for our digital transition or is uh, are we going to go back to being in person and uh, nothing really changes in, in terms of those dynamics? Muriel. Well, definitely it has already changed and I think the, the change will actually probably uh, stay on. Um, so, so and, and by the way, we've seen lots of benefits around that. So, so nothing is like completely bad. You know, I, I think we went through digital learning, uh, digital access to much more actually quantity of content as well. Yeah. So the offer has uh, been much wider in terms of you know uh, whether from schools education, whether for SMEs accessing as well to, you know, how they can actually evolve to e-commerce or online stores or whatever. I mean, there has been much more content available um, uh, for free or with easy access and so on. So I don't think this will actually move out. On the contrary, I think this will continue to uh, improve in terms of refining the solutions and the interactivity and the engagement into that. Now, do I, do I think that will be only online and digital? I don't think so. I think that we'll have to have a bit of an hybrid model. In a way as well, if I make a parallel with the uh, you know, uh, hybrid ways of working, um, we've been all working from home at one point in time, but we've also realized that you know, if we do only working from home, we have also some other challenges around the culture, into the company. Uh, we all miss face-to-face -face interactions as well, uh, where we don't have the same you know, touch, the same engagement. Um, the same informal chat as well, which are also important. Building the culture, uh, building a team in a SME would be really important. So I think really for me, it's really about the balance um, where you will have definitely much more uh, online, you know, working, online training, online education, whatever you want to call them, that, that will continue to scale up. But I think as well that it will be a bit rebalanced as hopefully that the COVID will, you know, move out uh, where companies employees will be willing to come back as well on some face-to-face -face meetings, on some face-to-face -face engagement. By the way, we've seen that as well, even at Vodafone, where we've been engaging with our customers, where they were searching for more you know, events face-to-face, -face, where they were able to ask more easily questions, having demos uh, on some of our solutions. So uh, I'm, I'm for, for sure uh, more on the hybrid uh, model. Just want, want also to take the opportunity to come back one second to uh, your point around uh, how we can support on connectivity for the SME, uh, Brian, because I think that what I want to call out is that, for example, we've been working also in Italy with the government and, and they've been actually recognizing the importance of connecting business here. And so they've been designing a scheme that will encourage SME to upgrade their broadband connectivity. What they are having as a proposal is like uh, having a voucher available for the SME customers to enable them to upgrade their internet connection and with different vouchers, values, you know, uh, and upgrades depending on the needs. I think this is kind of a great solution where it's actually offering flexibility, but also upfront funding and again, uh, you know, acceleration on, on, on the grading connectivity. So, so that's a good combination of things that we, we should have in mind when we are uh, working towards uh, supporting SMEs. Okay, short. Uh, I want to ask you about the online training as well, just from, from your perspective. You know, clearly, online training has lower cost. Uh, you know, it has a, a, a geographical uh, permission, which perhaps uh, is not limited by finance for many students who may have to, to travel, especially if it's more prohibitive if they're working at the same time as well. I know my experience doing a master's this year, it's, 
I really don't find a big difference between the, the study element online and actually physically present in the class as well. I'm here in Washington today, and there's some universities here, they have uh, 20,000 uh, physically present students and 80,000 online taking virtually the same uh, programs as well. Uh, do you think that this is the pattern that we're going to expect and that uh, this will actually change the pattern of, of work and how that affects uh, our capacity for innovation, our approach to innovation as well, Short? Well, I think um, I, personally, I personally would make a, um, like, um, uh, we talk about exchanging knowledge, I think, or uh, obtaining skills. I think that those are two uh, completely different things. Uh, talking about uh, obtaining knowledge, I think that uh, can be uh, done uh, very easily uh, through uh, online uh, sessions and presentations. But I think uh, I would uh, think focus on the importance of the social element in uh, obtaining skills. Uh, uh, working together uh, with with other uh, other people in the same room, working on cases, and uh, really uh, making sure that uh, the right skill set is uh, is uh, is uh, is really um, a part of part of your being, so to say. I think uh, that's very important to do it in 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 a, in a physical uh, physical round. So, so what we see in our, our training program here at the Young Digitals, uh, the social aspect is uh, is very important that people also learn. From other uh, other other students and other colleagues, so I think that's uh, that's something um, that's very important. And to uh, to come back to the the original question, as how policy makers uh, can ensure digital helps SME growth, I think uh, many uh, uh, many pieces of the puzzle have been uh, have come um, uh, to this discussion. I think that's very good. And uh, like I, like I said uh, again, I would like to uh, emphasize the importance. Of access to talent because I truly believe that will help uh, SMEs uh, to uh, to grow as companies. Excellent, thank you. We're really close on time now, so I want to ask uh, just to uh, give us the closing remarks on on uh, what we've discussed today. We've touched touched on a lot of different uh, topics, and I appreciate it. it's a huge topic. The, the time this morning is going very fast. Uh, as well, or this afternoon, if you're in Brussels, the, it's gone very fast. And let's uh, hear the the takeaways uh, from our panelists uh, today as well. What's, uh, what's critical for SMEs post-pandemic? What's top of your list and uh, your takeaway message uh, for today? Thank you. It has been great to be able to participate in the discussions. I would like to come back to what I said at the beginning about uh, the pandemic pushing SMEs to digitalize. And I would like to conclude by saying that uh, after the pandemic, the world will be a different world and the need to be digital is still there. There are changes which will be permanent. The way consumers behave, a lot of people started buying things through internet for the first time during the pandemic. That will remain at least uh, part of the change will be there forever and SMEs will have to adjust to it. Labor markets have changed, teleworking, video conferences, Zoom, as you mentioned, education through video rather than in a classroom. That has all changed and to the extent that labor markets have changed, SMEs will have to change. And of course, the new technologies which are used everywhere, SMEs will have to adopt. And then as a little marketing closing remark, what we are doing in the commission is designing 
transition pathways where we look at the needs of companies, SMEs and bigger companies, and what they need for the digital and green transition. Is it skills? Is it investment? Is it regulations which need to change? Is it infrastructure? We have on our website consultations by industrial ecosystem, by a group of activities to pave the way for the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we're pretty tight on time now, so I'm going to ask uh, if you can really try to hit uh, 30 seconds each uh, as, as we run into the close. Josiane, over to you, 30 seconds. Thank you for the great discussion. Skills, connectivity, the right infrastructure, the right incentives. The public sector has to continue setting also the targets, ambitious targets, including the 2030 targets and setting the scene, but also the incentives for the public, private sector and all stakeholders to come together. It's very important to collaborate, digitalize the large companies vis-a-vis -vis SMEs and ones who have not yet digitalized and therefore this ecosystem needs to be enhanced and we need to also use all the tools the cohesion policy the national recovery funds the digital policy programs that we're putting forward these are all very important and let's keep in mind the importance of inclusivity including our SMEs would really be important also not only economically but also socially thank you Josiane, thank you. Sebastiano, over to you, 30 seconds. Good. Uh, I will go back to what I said in the beginning, that we are in the fourth industrial revolution. And uh, in that context, uh, uh, digitalization, we need to understand it as uh, reinventing a company business model in order to generate value through technologies to make it very concrete and link it to what Muriel said about these vouchers for connectivity which are given in Italy, which is a very good example. I would say we have to go one step beyond the connectivity because we need to tell the companies what to do with the connectivity and therefore I will call for the vouchers for digitalization. So what do I do when I am connected? For instance, how do I develop an IoT? How do I go into new technologies? So the vouchers for it for digitalization. Thank you very much. Sebastiano, thank you so much. Short, over to you, 30 seconds. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I found it very inspiring to be a part of this uh, this panel. I learned a lot from the other uh, panelists. Thank you uh, for that. And uh, I just want to close uh, with uh, just the idea that uh, I believe in uh, that we can together we can unlock uh, the potential and the digital skills of all people, uh, and that will help SMEs to uh, benefit from the digital innovation. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you so much. And uh, Mira, last word. So I have. Three messages. One is really collaboration among stakeholders, and we've talked about that. I have a second message, which is around the simplicity of the schemes we need to set up together. It has to be flexible, but depending on the maturity of the SME, but it has to be also simple to use for them to have access of that really quickly. And then I would call out a point that has been not really so much discussed about today, which is sense of urgency. This is now the moment and not tomorrow. And we've already set up the recovery funds from last year. I see already some countries accelerating the movement here. And I really welcome, uh, the, you know, again, the sense of urgency that, you know, beyond what we've done already in Spain, in Italy, uh, we are starting to engage with other uh, governments in Greece, Portugal, Romania, Czech. I really think it's an urgency to really start it now uh, because it's now that we are working for the recovery with the SMEs. 
Thank you so much. Thank you to all our excellent panel today, Uti Yosian, uh, Sebastiano Schurt, uh, uh, and to Mural. And to our team in the studio in Brussels today, we have Zoran, Malta, Tamara, Elisa, and Bonya, and uh, to Giga Europe for their support uh, for the program today. Thank you also. And to our audience, thanks for taking the time to be with us. We really appreciate it. You can follow up with the information we mentioned earlier. I see the link uh, in front of me here, so you can get that for the IP fund. And any other questions or information you want, use the hashtag EA Debates, and our social media team will pick it up. I wish you a good rest of the day. I'm Brian McGuire.